Octa Non Verba is a show that's raw and real, featuring hard-hitting interviews with people that live by the ethos of actions, not words. Marcus Aurelius Anderson is a TEDx speaker, best-selling author, veteran, and leadership and mindset coach. With this show, you get to join Marcus as he goes inside the minds and experiences of the world's most successful warriors, leaders, entrepreneurs, and experts. With each episode, you're going to get the philosophies, concepts, tactics, and strategies these leaders use to turn adversity into victory. Live an extraordinary life based on actions, not words. Now, here's your host, Marcus Aurelius Anderson. Octa non verba is a Latin phrase that means actions, not words. If you want to know what somebody truly believes, don't listen to their words, observe their actions. I'm Marcus Aurelius Anderson, and my guest today truly embodies that phrase. Richard Ojeda is the national spokesman for the nonprofit No Dim Left Behind. He served a long and decorated career in the United States military in the Army and is an emerging political figure in democratic politics. Ojeda enlisted as a soldier in the military in 1989 and was selected to serve as a lieutenant colonel prior to retiring from the military in 2013. Over the course of his 24-year career, he served at Fort Bragg intermittently with several deployments to South Korea, Iraq, and Afghanistan. Following his career in the military, Richard ran for the West Virginia State Senate in 2016. He won his state Senate seat despite being brutally attacked on the campaign trail. And listen, I don't mean attacked politically. That's what everybody talks about. There was an attack within that, and we will, I'm sure that we'll get into that in our dialogue. He went on to lead a campaign to legalize medical marijuana in West Virginia, maintained two pay raises for correctional officers, and was an outspoken advocate for the 2018 teacher strike. In 2018, Ojeda ran for Congress in West Virginia's third congressional district, and although he did not get the seat, he received 44% of the vote. Now, that is 32% more than the Democrat in the previous race. Richard, it is truly an honor to have you on here today. I will stop talking about what you do, and we'll talk more about who you are and why this is such a passionate thing for you. Thank you for being here today, my friend. No, thank you. Thank you for having me on here, man. I'm, I'm excited for the interview. I'm excited for it as well. And we talk about all kinds of things here, and we'll go in a lot of different directions, but is there a core philosophy that you sort of have as your ethos when you were doing everything from the military to the way you live your life now? Is there anything that kind of comes to mind? Yeah. You know, never walk past something that you know is wrong and fail to make comment. For if you do, you have accepted a new lower standard. And I'll be damned if I'm going to accept a lower standard. And that's the way I was brought up in the military. And that's the way that I continue. Even Democrats sometimes don't want to be around Richard Ojeda because if I see something wrong and I see you're doing something wrong, I will let you know. And that's the thing. I mean, to let it go just means that we're complicit within it. We're actually, by not going against it, we're actually saying, hey, I'm encouraging this, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you know something is wrong, you have to make comment. You know, you have to try to fix the issue at hand right there. That's just something that I was brought up with in the military, and it's just always stuck with me. And that's one of the reasons why so many people are not fans. I was a Democrat. I still am a Democrat. I'm a real Democrat. I'm not the Democrat that just talks about it. I'm the Democrat that has no problems. I'll fist fight you on a picket line. I mean, that's just the way that it's got to be. And a lot of these people, they don't want to take it to that level. But to me, it needs to be at that level. Uh, If we don't stand up and fight for what we believe in, then again, we're not going to change anything. Not, And it has to start from that kind of local level and then work its way up. You've mentioned that you're a Democrat, yet you say that you don't really resonate with a lot of the current Democrats that are sort of in power. You don't feel that they're a correct representation of the party. First off, let's look at West Virginia. West Virginia was ran by Democrats for 88 years. 88 years. Do you want to know how come they lost? Because they sucked. Because they were a bunch of crooks. Because all they cared about was putting money in their pockets and doing nothing. They come around every two to four years and they told everybody how much they're going to fight for them. And then they win and you don't see them again until it's election time. And that's exactly that's the way it was. And that's why the Democrats lost. Now, the Republicans have control over West Virginia. And I will tell you, in six years, the Democrats have done. I mean, the Republicans have done more damage than the Democrats did in 88. So right now we're in a serious situation in West Virginia where literally I, I think that we can't go nowhere but up. But right now we have a super majority in West Virginia. This last 60 day legislative session was listed as the worst in our history. And I really believe that in West Virginia, this place is going to have to burn to the ground before it will ever rise from the ashes. And that's a sad place to be. 
but that's just where it is. Well, sometimes rock bottom is where we have to be to be able to build the foundation to move forward, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you still have people around here that absolutely have nothing, nothing. I mean, you know, the Donald Trump flag on their front porch is holding their house up and they're still, you know, they're still 100 percent Trump, Trump, Trump. Yet he's done nothing for these people. And that's what's sad is the Republican Party have realized how to tap into the poorly educated and get them to support their their efforts. These people don't realize they're fighting for people that don't care about them. Donald Trump would not allow them to play one round of golf on any of his golf resorts. As a matter of fact, they couldn't afford to play a round of golf on any of his golf courses. But they still think that he's one of us. He's not. That's the thing with politics right now. It's so easy for it to be spun or so easy for people, like you said, when it comes to the two or four years where they want to talk to their constituents and try to get back in office. All of a sudden now everybody's there. They're glad handling everybody, kissing hands. Shaking babies. No, I got that backwards. Shaking hands and kissing babies. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of like in West Virginia when the teacher strike, you know, I had no idea when I gave that speech, it was going to light the match on the teacher strike. I would have bet my life. I told everybody, make no mistake about it. I was on the Van Jones show and I said, make no mistake about it. The teachers will remember in November. And they didn't. They didn't. They had a grading scale. The AFT and the WVEA, the, or, the teaching organizations had a grading scale of who supported the teachers and who didn't. I got an A++. Most of the Democrats got A's. Almost every single Republican got an F, except maybe one or two that got a C because they kind of voted a little bit for the teachers. Those were the ones that all got reelected. The Democrats lost. And you're sitting here thinking to yourself, how could you watch what recently just happened? We had such an amazing victory for the teachers. And it wasn't just a victory for the teachers. It was a victory for unions. Because let me tell you something, the teachers did not win that strike alone. What made the legislators scared to death was when they walked outside of the Capitol in West Virginia and they saw a sea of red shirts and blue shirts, but they also saw camouflage shirts that said United Mine Workers of America on it. You saw pipe fitters, boilermakers, carpenters, International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. You saw Teamsters. They were all standing there side by side with the teachers saying, if you mess with one union, you're going to mess with all the unions. And that right there is what made those Republicans say, "Okay, let's go ahead and give them that raise that they want. That's why they won. And the bad part about it is, is that they should have gotten rid of every single one of them the following November. And they did. They reelected every one of them. Why do you think that they did that? They just didn't know any better. Governor Jim Justice basically had this event where he's sitting on a stage and he had every single Republican standing behind him. And he looked at the camera and he said, teachers, if you reelect all these people, I'm going to give you another pay raise. But what he didn't tell them is that before you get that pay raise, you're going to have to accept charter schools. Charter schools take away from public schools the funding. And that's exactly what they're doing right now. And half of these daggone legislators in West Virginia have already purchased the buildings because they're the ones that are going to have the charter schools. That's how jacked up the things are. And it's going to take money from public education. And then eventually, all the people who's got the ability and has the money to send their kids to these charter schools, they're going to be fine. But in public school, you're going to have nothing. I think that, you know, if they continue cutting public school, they're going to end up doing away with the art programs, the music programs, eventually some of the sporting programs will disappear. And then the last thing will go be your football and your basketball programs. But at the end of the day, those will all be on the chopping block, all because they're taking money from public education to fund all these other places that do not require education capabilities. You can work at a charter school with a high school diploma, you know, doesn't matter doesn't matter. And it's absolute garbage. And at the end of the day, our kids are the ones that are going to suffer when they graduate from high school and they get that diploma, but they can't pass an SAT exam. They can't pass the ASVAB exam to get into the military. Then what do they have? They've got nothing, nothing. You can go to Walmart. You can, you can work at Wendy's or McDonald's, but that's about as good as you're going to get. You've got such this warrior spirit. I mean, clearly with your military background, Why is it so important for us to be able to cultivate that sort of spirit in today's day and age? If you're not passionate about something, you need to wake your ass up. You know, I spent 24 years in the military. It's not about me and the time I spent in the military. It's about the time that I spent away from my wife and my kids. It's about the brothers that did not come home. You know, that's what it's about. 
I didn't do all that. I didn't go through all those experiences to come home and watch a bunch of jackaloons with their hands in the cookie jar that don't give two shits about the people. And that's what I found. I come back here and I really had no desire for politics. I never even, if a politician shook my hand, the first thing I wanted to do is go purel up real fast because I know I ain't never met a politician worth the shit where I'm from. But I, I spent 24 years in the military and I served with real leaders. You know, I went outside the wire every single day in Iraq and Afghanistan, and I took with me sometimes full bird colonels. These are people that could have stayed behind, but they said, we got to be out there so the troops can see us taking the same hazards that they are. That's what leadership is. You know, that is what leadership. I come home. I'm looking around. I'm looking at abandoned, dilapidated structures everywhere. I'm looking at that on water that's not clean, you know, and the only people around here that seem to be thriving are your county commissioners, you know, the people in the positions. And oh, by the way, all of their families are thriving. I did something. I did something one time. And what I did was I went to the courthouse and I FOIA'd Freedom of Information Act, the payroll, the payroll of the county commission and the courthouse. And you know what I did with it? I posted it. And you would have been amazed at how pissed off everybody got because the politicians were pissed off because how dare you let everybody know what we're doing. But the other people were pissed off because they were like, I've been working in the courthouse for 22 years. And now I've got this person's niece that's, you know, happens to be connected. She's working. She shows up late. She leaves early and she's making five more dollars an hour than I am. And that's the kind of stuff that really started rocking the boat around here. And that's where they started realizing that I ain't scared of you. I'm retired military. You can't touch my retirement. So you can't affect my livelihood. And I'm the one that challenged these people. And that's why they tried to murder me. And that's the thing that I wanted to get into next. When I talked about being attacked, I didn't just mean being attacked politically. That's part of the game. We know this when we get in this arena. But for you, you were actually running. This is in 2016, correct? Well, it was actually two days before I won my state Senate seat. I was at an event and a person asked me for some bumper stickers. So I went over, got bumper stickers. I put one on the back of his truck and then he said, hey, can you put one on the front? I want to see me. I want him to see me coming and going. I didn't think nothing about it because I knew this guy. I grew up with this guy. I walked around the front of the vehicle. I kneeled down. I'm putting it on nice and level. And the next thing you know, I'm opening my eyes and they're saying, don't move. Ambulance is on the way. He had struck me in the back of the head with a pipe. Then when he oh. struck me in the back of the head with a pipe, I went straight down. I started convulsing. I was out. He rolled me over with brass knuckles on his hand and he broke eight bones in my face with brass knuckles. Both eye sockets, both nasal passages, four breaks across my jaw. And if it wasn't for a guy who walked around the corner and saw him come down on the back of my head with the pipe and started screaming so that everybody started running over there, he would have beat me to death. He would have rolled my body into the creek. He would have got in his vehicle. He would have drove away. And when anybody asked anything, he would have said, hey, look, you saw me at the gathering. We were friends. I asked him for bumper stickers. That's exactly what it was. And what really was messed up is the fact of what the courthouse did what the prosecuting attorney did. They all secretly went and accepted plea deals that I was not privy to, that basically the guy didn't do six months in jail. He didn't do six months in jail, and I didn't even know he was out. I almost bumped into him in a friggin' Walmart one day, and I was like, are you shitting me? And let me tell you something. I can't blame the guy that I was running against, but I can guarantee you that the people who didn't want me to beat him were behind that attack. This is a person that you knew, and it was truly a near ambush. The guy's an oxygen thief. He's a loser. The guy's got nothing. But he comes from, you know, he comes from a family that controls everything. There's a few names in Logan County, West Virginia, and, uh, you know, that's one of them. They pretty much have always controlled everything in this county. And that's one of the things. When I come out of the military, you ain't going to tell me what to do. You know, I'm not going to sit. I'm 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 not going to sit and act like I'm the most educated. But I got a master's degree. I'm 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 quite educated. And I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to sit here and bow down to somebody who's got a high school diploma who just happens to be one of the good old boys. They can all kiss my ass, and that's just how it was. And I wasn't scared to tell them that. And they knew. They knew that uh, I was threatening their livelihood. How much of a trespass was that for you? I mean, did you feel like completely? I mean, you, you were caught sideways by it, obviously. Did it hurt more the fact that you were just completely stabbed in the back by it? Absolutely. Absolutely. The mere fact that, you know, I, I didn't have a chance. You know, if you wanted a fist fight, we were in the yard when you come to ask me for bumper stickers. If you wanted a fist fight, we could have dealt with it right there. 
but that wasn't the way that wasn't what it was supposed to be. It was yeah. supposed to be I got lured away and, and got this done to me. And then, you know, the entire the courthouse, the prosecuting attorney and them. I mean, I had no chance. I sit down with the prosecuting attorney, me and my wife both. And he was acting like he was going to fight for me and he was going to get justice for me. And I'm standing on the Senate floor giving a speech and my phone starts buzzing in my pocket. So when I finish my speech, I sit down and pull the phone out. It's the news. And they say, what do you think about the plea deal? I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? And then I found out the plea deal, which basically said Richard Ojeda and this guy got into a fist fight and I got knocked out. That was it. That was it. It wasn't. That was not it. I took a pipe to the back of the head and brass knuckles to the face. I got 58 metal plates in my face. The medical professionals said that this couldn't have been done with bare hands. It said it would have broke because the fractures were deep and people saw brass knuckles on his hand when they ran over there to, to try to, you know, to get him. I mean, it was just it was just a horrible situation. But, you know, at the end of the day, what's really messed up is that I get nothing. I won four hundred thousand dollars in a lawsuit from this guy. I'll never get a penny because the guy doesn't work. He doesn't have nothing. He's a loser. And that's it. I'll get nothing. But that's not it. I mean, you know, my medical records were stolen from the Veterans Administration. They used that to try to smear me. They stole my medical records and posted them on Facebook. And look, I'm not ashamed of anything. I'm not ashamed of anything. I got traumatic brain injury. Yeah, I got PTSD. You go walk in the friggin', you walk in my boots in friggin' Iraq and Afghanistan and in Haiti, you know, where we saw death like I ain't never seen. You know, yeah, there's issues there, but there's also some embarrassing things in your medical records that you don't want people to know. You know, that's just natural. Everybody has that. But they posted that stuff on Facebook. And the bad part about it is, is they got the guy who did it. He didn't do two months in jail. And I can't even get the investigation. I've been trying to get the unredacted investigation because technically everybody who got my medical records and everybody who shared my medical records, I can sue in court. But the Veterans Administration will only give me the redacted, which is 90 blank pages, 90 blank pages with no names. I can sue every single person that had their hand in my medical records. And it was used to try to hurt me when I was running for Congress. So I get nothing once again. So I've never met a strong person that has not been through adversity in some way, shape or form. What did you learn from that huge assault on you, that huge ambush on you? when he beat you within inches of your life? I'm a hard son of a bitch to kill. That's just the way that it is. And I ain't going to change. I don't, I'm not going to shut my mouth. I'm not going to stay silent for nobody. You're going to have to kill me if you think for one second that I'm going to roll over for anybody. This isn't for me. This isn't about Richard Ojeda's, you know, beating on his chest. I mean, I got a lot of people that are on my shoulders right now. I got brothers that did not come home. Their hopes and dreams bled out on a battlefield. I'm, I, I fight for them. You know, I'm fighting for people to have better. I can't stand crooked people and I surely can't stand crooked politics. I got kids in my hometown that had it worse than the kids I saw in Iraq and Afghanistan. And if you don't believe it, come to West Virginia. Let me drive you around. I've taken people from Japan, from Norway, from Sweden. They've come here to Logan County, West Virginia, because they do documentaries. And I don't know why, but people in other countries want to come listen to what I got to say. So I do these documentaries. These people come here. I take them to places. Every one of them, when it was over, would look at me and said, we thought you all were the greatest country on earth. We can't believe what we saw here. You know, in Iraq and Afghanistan, a village will raise the child. If mom and dad are killed in a friggin' gun battle or a, an IED or something like that, the village will raise those kids. In America, mom and dad are either dead from drugs or they're in prison from drugs. And right now, grandma is trying to keep her grandkids from being lost in the foster care system. So she decides she's going to take them and we don't do jack shit for her. If you're a foster parent, you get a check every month to take care of those kids. But if you're a grandparent and you don't want your grandkids to fall into the foster care system and you say, I'm taking my grandkids, we don't do nothing for them. We should be doing everything for them, people, because they don't want their kids to fall into the foster care system, and they're going to show more love than a foster parent will. We happen to know with, for a fact there's foster parents out there that'll foster 20 damn kids because it's a check for each one of them. And at the end of the day, those kids aren't getting a lot of it spent on them. So if we're the parents, if the grandparents are going to step up to the plate, we should be absolutely doing anything in our power to help them. You know, they're already cutting their damn meds in half. 
So let's not make them have to carry the grandkids too. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And we talk about the nature of politics today. We were talking earlier before we were recording about how there are certain amounts of corruption and there are certain amounts of things that are kind of being pushed and shoved behind the scenes. Can you give us a little bit of example of what you're seeing and why you're so just pissed off about it? There's a guy in West Virginia by the name of Rusty Williams. Bernie Sanders does things with him and stuff. R- Rusty Williams is one of the finest men that, I, that I've ever met in West Virginia. But he was there and he witnessed it. I was a brand new state senator. I was like day three as a senator sitting at my desk. And energy folks come into my office. There's two guys and a woman. And that woman was absolutely breathtakingly beautiful. She's probably about 22, 23 years old. And I'm serious. She looked like she could be a model. She didn't say nothing. And these two guys are trying to get me to vote yes on a bill that allows the gas companies to basically come on your property and then shoot sideways lines, sideways lines and take everything under your neighbors and they don't get shit. It's really, a, it was a messed up deal. And I said, absolutely not. And all of a sudden the girl said, well, is there anything that maybe I could do to maybe change your mind? And I said, you can get your ass up and y'all can get the fuck out of my office. And Rusty was standing right there because Rusty come in afterwards and he was kind of worried that I was going to be an ass. But, you know, he ended up having a conversation with me and we ended up making West Virginia the 29th state for medical cannabis. But that stuff happens at the state level. So you can only imagine how big it is on the national level. We already know the lobbyist playbook. We already know what they do. You know, we already know about this, this dark money. You know, right now, one of the big reasons why the For the People Act is having the issues that it is having is because there's a sentence in there that says transparency with dark money. And guess what? None of them damn politicians want to agree with that. None of them want to agree. And I'll tell you right now, I know that Joe Manchin is eating the shit sandwich because he's the one that is that's actually, he's wrong. He's dead wrong with what he's doing. But you don't hear a lot of other Democrats screaming at him saying, you better knock it off, Joe. You, we want this because you know what? They're a part of it too. Every damn one of them take that damn dark money. You know, every single person running for office as a Democrat nowadays steps up and says, I promise I will take no corporate PAC money. Look at the ones that are already in office. Look at what they do. Look at where they're getting their money. Because make no mistake, they're taking corporate PAC money. If you look at Joe Manchin's finances, his war chest, over $3 million is corporate PAC money. $3 million, corporate PAC money. He's got another almost $6 million, which is from high dollar donors. And there's also ways that work. You know, you have a company that will send you that dark money, right? And then everybody in that company at the top will also send you a max donation check. That's how it works. And the thing is, is that people don't realize this. You know, it's a big bunch of bullshit. Money is controlling everything. When you become a member of Congress, they expect you at least four days a week. I don't care if you're in the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. They expect you at least four days a week to spend about eight hours a day in the second floor of the DCCC or the RNC. And you're on the phone calling all of your donors because every quarter, if you are an elected official, they can donate to you every quarter. And you sit there and you make phone calls to all your donors and say, can I count on you again this time? Can I count on you again this time? And here's the thing. When a member of Congress calls you, you donate. You get it? Oh, my goodness gracious. I got a phone call today from from Senator so-and-so from Washington, D.C. Yep, I'll write him a check. I'll write him a check. That's how it is, man. That's the thing, too. There's so many people that are out there that don't seem to understand that money is obviously in play. but It's on both sides. And once they're at that level, it's almost like you have to go along to get along. And there's nothing that's going to be as simple as black and white. It's like, this is good, this is bad, or this is positive, or this is negative. Right. Understand. You want to know how you become a, a chairman of a committee? A chairman of a committee or a vice chair of the committee? It depends on how much money you can raise. It's not about this person's awesome. This person's highly intelligent. Woo, they're squared away. How much money can they bring in? That's how you get it. It's almost as if you buy the position. I'm the national spokesman for No Dim Left Behind. We're out here busting our ass to try to get people elected. And we're doing it without having to, you know, have these people sell their soul. You know, I mean, we're, we're trying to help people in red rural districts across this country. 
And the truth is, that's the biggest fight that right now the Democrats should be fighting. It's easy to raise money for somebody in a, in a blue state. But if we don't flip red seats blue, then we're screwed. We've got to increase our lead. If we sit back right now and say, we're just going to take care of the 50 people we got in the Senate and don't worry about anybody else, then we're going to stay 50-50 in the Senate. We've got to look at some of these other races. Mark Rubio, Ted Cruz. We need to go after these people. Ken Buck. We need to go after these people and we need to beat them. And that's exactly what we have to do. So it's important that people understand that, you know, things like no dim left behind support us. We're trying our damnest to bring people to Washington, D.C. that aren't going to have to be coddled, aren't going to have to be bribed to do the right thing. Because make no mistake about it, if I support anybody to get to Washington, D.C., and they go up there and they absolutely turn into a crook, I'll let them know. Well, that's what we see. These people come in, their civil servants are making, you know, a low six digits and all of a sudden within a few years, they're multimillionaires. Yeah. Yeah. Think about that. Mitch McConnell was literally poor when he became a senator. Now he's worth $26 million. Hmm, let me see. And oh, by the way, his, his wife is also filthy, filthy rich. But I mean, that's, that's what it's about. And it's, it's sickening. It's sickening. You make $174,000 a year and you work for me. That's one of the things. I, you know, I went to the, the Poor People's March the other day and I got on the microphone and I, and I lit Manchin's ass up. But at the end of the day, everybody in Washington, D.C., everybody at your state house, everybody that you elect, whether it be county commission or whatever, they work for you. When I send you to the state house in West Virginia or I send you to Washington, D.C., you are to represent me. Your job isn't to go up there and rub shoulders with the big wigs and do everything that you want to do. Your job is to go up there and bring opportunities, bring funding back to our state. West Virginia, especially where I'm at in southern West Virginia, broadband. Our kids around here, do you know teachers aren't even really giving kids homework anymore? They're not giving them homework anymore because they know that they can't do the research. The moment that they take that bus and go up that holler, there is no connectivity. Most kids are actually sitting in a parking lot at McDonald's using McDonald's Wi-Fi to do their homework now. And teachers know this. So teachers have basically said, we're not worried about it anymore. You know, they literally don't give homework to the kids. But it's, that's how it is. Broadband. Shelly Moore Capito has promised broadband to West Virginia in every election she's ever ran. She's never done shit. And right now, we have an infrastructure package that absolutely is going to basically put $300 billion in daggone broadband and clean drinking water. $300 billion. And they're not for that. And the reason why they're not for that is because they don't want somebody to complete something because that's what they campaign off of. You know, that's the carrot that they dangle. And then, oh, by the way, we don't want the Democrats to get anything done because if they get things done, what are we going to be able to say in 2022 and 2024? And that's what Mitch McConnell's doing right now. He's literally trying to make sure that they obstruct everything that we're trying to do. And here's the thing. These jobs that are going to be created by that infrastructure package. They're not going to say, excuse me, but uh, how do you vote? You a Democrat or you a Republican? They don't give a shit. They got jobs and people get to apply for the jobs. And there you go. Now you can work. You can feed your family. You can pay your taxes. You can pay your bills. And that's what needs to happen. The Republicans don't want that to happen. The Republicans want this country to literally be on the verge of collapse so they can say, look at where we're at. You better elect a Republican so we can get us off this bullshit. But the thing is, is the reason why we get to that point where we're on about ready to collapse is because the Republicans continue to obstruct everything that we want to do. And I see that the system, it's it's so broken in so many ways. There's so much of a divide in this country. It's almost as if we need to vote people in to change the face and then vote a second time to keep all that insulation out of there to be able to have this clean slate, to be able to actually do some sort of work. Yeah, we absolutely should be supporting term limits in this country. Absolute power corrupts. We know that. We know that these people get to Washington, D.C., and they get a taste of the money. They get a taste of the power. They get a taste of the of the position. I'm going to tell you, you know, I tell people all the time, I was a state senator. It wasn't all that. It wasn't all that. But you'd be amazed. You'd be amazed how you feel sometimes when you show up and everybody goes, oh, the senator's here. The senator's here. 
you know, me, I'm sitting here thinking, it's not all that. But you'd be amazed at how some people, you know, fit, they like that power. They like that title. And there's a lot of people that get up there and that's all they care about. The truth is, is that we don't need to have these lifetime politicians. You know, Mitch McConnell comes from one of the poorest states in the country. And the thing about it is, is when he got in power, Kentucky was dirt poor. And now we go 36 years later and Kentucky's still dirt poor. You know, so what have you done? If you can't do anything, if you can't elevate the people's lives, then get out of the way. Lead, follow, or get the hell out of the way. I got one guy down here where I'm from. He was a senator for 34 years. 34 years. When he took over, his district was one of the most impoverished in the country. Okay? 34 years later, it's still the most impoverished in the country. So what have you done? In 30, 34, 36 years, what have you done? What have you done to be able to stand up and act like you're proud of something? Because you ain't done shit. Your people are still living in squalor. I can take you to places where I'm from in southern West Virginia that will literally make your jaw hit the floor. You don't even realize the poverty that we have in these areas here. But they exist. And our elected officials aren't elevating nobody out of it. Well, like you said, it's not in their best interest for that to happen. No, it's not. But, but at the end of the day, if you're going to come to me and you're going to say, look, I'm going to bring broadband to this area here because we desperately need it. Okay. So four years later, it comes back, you're back again, and you're saying, I'm going to bring broadband to this area. I may go ahead and say, okay, all right, let's go. But then eight years later, 12 years later, 16 years later, we still don't have no damn broadband. So what are you doing? Because all you're doing is coming back here, you're dangling that carrot. And apparently that's the carrot that everybody keeps falling for. But there comes a time when we have to say, look, you promised us this for eight years. You haven't followed through. It's time for you to go. Because if we did that, if we did that and we actually held people to that standard, people would work their ass off in Washington, D.C. Absolutely. They would actually work. If they knew that the only way they were going to stay in power was if they produce, then they're going to go to work and they're going to produce. If they think that they can sit on their ass and do nothing, they're going to sit on their ass and do nothing. And especially if they can sit on their ass, do nothing and draw a sweet payday. Because let me tell you something, $176,000, and I think now, I think it's actually, I think it's like $196,000 now. So $196,000 a year, and people don't realize, it's not just $196,000 a year. There's a lot of free perks in there that you get. You get to fly home for free. Every time you fly back and forth to your home state, that's free, okay? You know you have your staff. You have over a million dollars a year just for staff salaries. So you got all these people that you can hire and they do all the damn work. I mean, everybody knows they do all the damn work. These elected officials aren't out there freaking making the phone calls and trying to solve people's problems and help people get their black lung and help somebody get his citizenship. They're not doing that. Their name is the stamp on the bottom of the letter. That's it. That's how it is. People just got to understand. You know, these people aren't all knowing they're not. And a lot of them nowadays, I mean, we're looking at people now. Some of them are just flat out stupid. You know, some of them are just absolute stupid. Some of them absolutely are, are, are heartless, just horrible people. I mean, with what we saw on January the 6th, you know, I'll tell you right now, I don't want to throw stones at people that have a, a GED. Anybody who doesn't graduate high school but then goes back later and gets a GED, I'm proud of you. But I'm sorry, I expect more from somebody in Washington, D.C. that's voting on our bills. So Lauren Boebert absolutely does not do it for me. She doesn't. She needs to go. And coming from the background that you come from in the, in the military, a lot of people assume that people in the military are just strictly very conservative. But tell us what the Democratic Party really is, what it, what it came from, what it represents. Because you were saying like Pelosi and a lot of the people that are up in the higher echelon now are not representations of that. Because it's the, you know, the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party needs to go back to where the Democratic Party was. I told people when I was running, I was like, look, I'm a real Democrat. I'm a real Democrat. I will absolutely fist fight on a picket line for unions. I don't care. That's just how I stand. I believe that if you want to come to my hometown and take our jobs, you should get an ass whooping in the process. And I don't give a shit what anybody says. You know, I've, I'm that guy that they had to say, don't throw that because I was ready to throw a brick to a freaking window. <laughs> I'm that guy. I don't care. You're coming here to take our jobs. Fuck you. 
Sorry, that's just the way I stand. So I support unions. I support veterans, you know, and I'm not talking about just staggering, you know, saying the friggin' pledge every once in a while. If we're going to send people away and we're going to break them at war, then we need to fix them when they come home. We need to take care of them. Let me tell you something. I'm the guy that you should have on that floor in Washington, D.C. When all these friggin' fake ass politicians that ain't never picked up a rifle and manned a post start beating the drums of war and talking about sending our kids overseas to do their bidding. Uh Uh-uh. I'm the guy that stands up and lets them know this is what comes with that. Are you willing and are you ready to look at the post-traumatic stress disorder that comes back? Are you willing and ready to see young men and young women come back with prosthetic arms and legs? You know, are you willing to take care of these people that will come home with post-traumatic stress disorder that will be with them for the rest of their lives? You need to have somebody up there on that stage that's willing to say those things. And right now we don't. We don't. You may have one or two that will stand up and say, my son's in the military. I got it. So your son was, so your son was a JAG officer. He was a friggin' lawyer. You know, his daddy's the, the congressman. But I'm talking about, you know, the guys on the ground out there slugging it out with the enemy every day. So, you know, and I'm not trying to throw stones at people that are military lawyers. But a lot of folks, we kind of look at that and think a lot of them are doing that to check the block for their political, you know. That's exactly oh, it. Oh, I'm running for office and I was in the military. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the... That's the little uh, requirement to get them up there. And you made a powerful statement about how, again, in this country, we don't aren't even able to take care of our veterans the way that we should. We have so many homeless veterans as we speak right now, but yet other people are trying to come in. And now it's like, oh, we need to give these people all these benefits in the process. I'm going to tell you something right now that people don't talk about. And this is one of the biggest travesties that we have with our veterans. There was a time in the military where no matter what I did, If I twisted my ankle on a friggin' run, they told me, take two Motrin and we'll see you tomorrow at PT. We called Motrin Ranger Candy. You know, we're going to go get some Ranger Candy. We'll be okay. Take a Motrin. That's it. That's all we ever used. Well, then all of a sudden, during the time that we've started fighting in Iraq and Afghanistan, the military medical system has made a change. And now what they have been doing is they have been medicating the problem instead of solving the problem. And I knew this because I was a company commander. I had just got back from Iraq and I took a second command of a unit that was getting ready to go to Afghanistan. And I find soldiers at literally six o'clock in the morning walking into walls. And I'm like, what the hell is wrong with that guy? That guy's on something, right? So really quick, give him a drug test. Holy shit, fails a drug test. He come home after being in combat maybe messed up back, a lot of, you carry a lot of weight, your back's messed up all the time. So instead of basically Motrin, now you go there and they say, here, here's, here's, here's 60 hydrocodone. Understand that all you need is five days and you will develop, you will develop dependency. So now all of a sudden we've got soldiers running around on these drugs. Well, the military is different. The military says, I gave you some Oxycontin for your shoulder. And you're on, you're on profile. You're on profile for a month. So they're going to give you meds. But then when the military says you're off profile, you're off your meds. They don't give you no more meds. They cut you cold turkey. Now you got a soldier that's addicted to drugs. Holy shit. Now he's freaking, he's struggling. And what happens is, is we were catching the soldiers going off base because all you had to do is show your ID card, and those civilian doctors would go, ooh, they're military, they're going to pay. And they would give them the drugs, they would charge them for that. And what I found out was that the military system and the civilian system never crossed paths. So the military never knew that those soldiers were doctor shopping, and they were going from doctor to doctor to doctor. I had one soldier that was getting over a 1,000 pills a month, jumping from doctor to doctor to doctor. You see? Now, they were selling them. They were taking them. But we were kicking a lot of these people out. And oh, by the way, when you get kicked out because of drugs, we take away your, your benefits. So now you don't have the VA anymore because we gave you a less than honorable discharge because for drugs, those guys right now are the ones. Now, remember, they got addicted because they got hurt and they were given these meds. They had no idea that they were going to become addicted. Once they become addicted, it ruined their career. We kicked them out. They got nothing. Let me tell you something. Half of these vets that you see out here, I bet you 
I bet you if you go and you have a conversation with them, you'll find that a lot of them were kicked out because they got addicted to drugs. They got addicted to drugs, and now they're out. They can't go to the VA. That's why they're homeless. They're a veteran, but they can't get no benefits from the VA. And what we really should do is we should really go back right now and look at every single soldier, sailor, airman, and Marine who have been chaptered out of the military for drugs since the global war on terrorism started. And we need to go look and see, was this person done that way? Because if they were, we need to give them their benefits back. We need to treat these people. They served their country in combat honorably. They got injured honorably. And now look at what we've done to them. And I feel bad because I'm part of that. You know, at the time, I didn't know no better. I'm like, kick him out. Kick him out. I ain't got no time for that bullshit. I was a paratrooper. Conduct unbecoming a paratrooper. We don't play that shit. But now I look back and realize we did damage to a lot of good people. Well, and like you said, now that veteran's out, what is he going to get to to calm that? Ranger Candy ain't going to do it no more. Even Oxy's not going to do it anymore. He needs something even stronger now. Right. Right. And, and right now, you know, the suicides, the suicide rate is, is through the roof. I guarantee you it's through the roof. The homelessness rate is through the roof because they have no benefits, because they don't have the ability to go and say, I need help. Because what they're going to say is, oh, I'm sorry, you less than honorable. We can't help you here. You get nothing from here. Believe me, I am completely fine with taking the benefits of every friggin' veteran that charged that capital on January the 6th. But all these veterans out here that are homeless, that are addicted, and they got that way because they were in the military, we need to do right by these people. Yeah, and then they go out and they try to get a job, and they say, let me see your DD-214, and it says less than honorable. Less than honorable is literally the same thing as being a felon. Exactly. It's the semantics. Yep. It's the game of semantics. Just bringing attention to this stuff is actually the what we need so much of because a lot of people just want to either wash it away or act like it's not even there. So just being aware of it is how we begin to change these things. If you were the president right now, what would you change in this country? Right now, if you look at everybody, it feels like there's such a divide right now. But yeah, is that divide real or is that from social media? Where, is, where do we stand? It's a real divide. It's a real divide. But there's things that I think we need to do. You know, we have a global pandemic you know, I'm sick and tired of these jackaloons. You know, I'm at the point right now where if you don't want to get vaccinated, fine, don't get vaccinated. But when you get the friggin' COVID, the insurance company should be able to turn you down. There's no, why should the insurance company pay for your medical coverage when you refuse to take a vaccine that we need to get? You know, I'm at the point where I'd like to say, you know what, you're going to get the vaccine. If you don't want the vaccine, make no mistake, I'll throw you, I'll, I'll put your ass on a friggin' island someplace until all this is over with because I don't want you to poison anybody else. I think that there's there's a lot of things that we need to do in this country. I'm sick and tired of the infighting that we have in Washington, D.C., because there's things that need to happen. You know, I would say that if I was a president, I'd be trying to go down the same damn path that Joe Biden is going down. You know, we got to fix situ- situations that we have in this country. Not only do we need to get people vaccinated, we need to start doing right concerning climate change. We need to stop allowing big energy to absolutely rape our forests, poison our water, and get away with it. we got to stop allowing elected officials. That's one of the reasons why we need transparency with this dark money. We need to know where these people are getting their money from. Because at the end of the day, they're the ones that are selling the rights to poison our water and to rape our forests and things like that. Because all they care about is money. There's so many problems that we have in this country. And there's so many things that we should be doing to fix it. The mere fact that right now the Republican Party does not want nothing positive. Why can't the Republican Party and the Democratic Party all work together to help everybody instead of one party has to absolutely make sure that nothing gets done? One party has to make sure that for the next three and a half years, we are miserable because that's the only way they see for them to be able to succeed. I mean, it's horrible. It's horrible. There's so many things I like to do. I'd like to end these forever wars. We shouldn't be there. You know, we should have never went into Iraq, even though I've served twice in Iraq. We shouldn't have went to Iraq. Saddam Hussein wasn't posing a threat to anybody. We had friggin' Osama bin Laden in the Tora Bora Mountains in the friggin' caves. We were listening to him on radios. That's how close our troops were. And instead of going in there and friggin' crushing that shit bag, they said, stop, pull back. And we went to Iraq. And let me tell you something. People don't realize this. Dick Cheney. Halliburton, Brown and Root. Do you know that in 2004, 2005, we had 163,000 troops in Iraq, 163,000 troops. 
they paid Brown and Root and Halliburton $200 per troop per day for food. If you think I was eating $200 a day, you crazy with the heat. We were outside. We were up at three o'clock in the morning, loading weapons and ammo on vehicles. We were outside the wire before the sun come up. We were lucky to eat in a dining facility one day, one time a day. If we were lucky, most of the time it wasn't. When you're out in Ramadi in Iraq and you're on a Marine installation and you eat, you get a paper plate with a, a big piece of lettuce, ain't no dressing. You get a chicken that's, you know, it's dry as a damn bone and an apple, $200 a day. We got to stop allowing people to fleece our government. And that's exactly what's going on. There's so many problems that we have. We got filthy rich people right now in this country that are starting their own space race. Let that sink in. And, you know, the people got to realize our government is about to give Jeff Bezos $10 billion so that he can continue on with his space race so he can beat Elon Musk. And, oh, by the way, the guy just spent $8.5 billion to buy Metro Goldwyn Mayer. So if he needs money to go to space, but he can spend $8.5 billion on Metro Goldwyn Mayer, the guy's got more money than anybody in the world. We shouldn't be giving him nothing. We need to start making these people be held accountable and they need to start paying their damn taxes. Warren Buffett pays a dime on every $100 that he makes. You pay $24.37 on every $100 bill that you make. And I don't give a shit what anybody says. He can act like, well, I would like to give more money. Then do it. Then do it. Don't talk bullshit. You do it. You can easily right now figure out how we can end homelessness in this country because you can. You can figure out right now how we can fix the water issues that they have on Indian reservations in this country. You can do that. Nobody's going to stop you. So you do it. I'm sick and tired of these people talking about shit, but they don't do shit. And you made a great comment earlier before we hit record. You were talking about body cams and how they would change the game in almost any field. But there was a specific yeah. area that you feel that it would really make an impact. Absolutely. Right now, you know, you have people across this country talking about putting body cams on teachers because they want to make sure that they don't speak about race. So first and foremost, before we put body cameras on teachers, how about we make sure that every police officer has a body camera and we make sure that when they step foot out of that precinct every day, that body camera is on and there's somebody watching to make sure that it's on because police officers cannot turn that shit off. We deserve to see what they're doing, because right now, that's the reason why our cities are on fire, because of bad cops. But what we really need to do, if you're talking about body cameras, put those son of a bitches on lobbyists. Because make no mistake about it, if your elected officials knew that you could watch the conversations that they had with lobbyists in their offices, make no mistake about it, they'd be far less likely to sell you out. Because right now, that's what they do. All you have to do is look at the lobbyist playbook, and it should piss you off with what they do. What they do is when you win as a member of Congress, they one of the first people to pay a visit. And what they do is they come in there and say, hey, say we like you. But I'll tell you what, when you're done here as a congressman, I think we wouldn't mind hiring you. And oh, by the way, you go from $176,000, $196,000 a year. If you go over and you lobby for their group, it's $2.5 million. So now they've walked in and they planted that seed in that politician's head. That politician says, holy shit, man, when I'm done here, I can go make $2.5 million a year walking these same halls, talking to my friends, you see? So what they do now is not only are they pushing everything that that lobby organization wants them to push, but they're actually trying to find ways that they can do other things to impress that lobby group for them. They will sell you down the river because they're looking at a new payday when they're done at $2.5 million. And look at all these people that have spent time in Washington, D.C. that are no longer in office, but are now politicians. But I'm telling you, that body camera stuff, there needs to be rules and regulations. Lobbyists must wear body cameras. The moment that they set foot on the property of, of it, whether it be state house or national capital, the body cameras must be on. They has to be rules that say you're not allowed to have any conversations with lobbyists other than on the grounds. If you're caught having dinner with a lobbyist in a restaurant, your ass will be removed from office. We need to be strict about this because the biggest threat to our democracy is corruption. That's the biggest threat that we have in this country. And we need to figure out how we can stop the corruption in this country because that's why we're having these issues right now. 
The reason why Mitch McConnell and them are trying to stop everything is because there are people that back them. There's people that give them the big bucks that are expecting them to stop this shit. How dare you allow them Democrats to come out here and push this shit to kill the filibuster? That right there has more to do with dark money and the one Coke brother left than anything. So how can we bring this idea of reaching across the aisle because everybody is so entrenched in this political ideology? Even independence gets caught up within the independence in the center of all these things. How can we make people reach across the aisle? Because right now, nobody gives a shit about the people. Like you said, there's no skin in the game for them. They're fleecing us and we're the collateral damage. Yeah. A lot of these people are done. We need to get rid of all of them. We need to start electing people that says, I don't give a shit if you're Republican. I don't give a shit if you're Democrat. Are you going to work with the other side? Are you going to be willing to cross the aisle? Because let me tell you something. Don't you tell me you're going to do it. I want to see you do it. Don't come here, knock on my door and tell me you're going to fight for something. And then I don't see you. I mean, I tell people all the time, watch what your elected officials are doing. If you're not seeing them on the news almost daily, if you're not seeing them give speeches almost daily, if you're not seeing them out there doing things that need to be done, then you need to get rid of them because they're not doing their damn job. You know, I when I was a state senator, you knew I was there. It didn't take me long at all because I am who I am. And I know how to stand up in front of a group of people and I know how to speak and I know how to fire people up. That's kind of something that you have to learn when you're standing on a friggin' border of Iraq at 2.30 in the morning and you're looking at all your troops and you're getting ready to cross into the enemy's backyard. You got to be able to fire them up so that they can cross that border and they know you got each other's backs. So I expect elected officials to be standing up giving speeches. And that's exactly what I did. When I was a state senator in West Virginia, you knew I was there. I was fighting for daggone medical cannabis. I'm the one that stood up and said, that son of a bitch in the Supreme Court is a crook and we need to impeach him. And we did, and we did. But you gotta be willing to stand up. You gotta be willing to rock the boat. I didn't send you to Washington, D.C. I didn't send you to the state house to get up there and fall in line with anybody. I sent you up there because we got problems and we need somebody that's gonna go forward and fight for the funding to bring capabilities back to this area. And if you're not gonna do that, then get your ass out of the way so we can send somebody who can. When the Constitution was made by the founding fathers, they had this idea of a republic more than a democracy. What do you think our founding fathers would think of our country right now if they were alive to kind of see where it went? Well, I mean, I think that uh, if they were alive right now, they would be expecting us to actually deal with this treason that took place on January the 6th. I think that the people who gave the tours the day before, I think that Lauren Boebert, who was live tweeting the whereabouts of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer during an active coup, I think that these people should not be in office right now. They should be in handcuffs waiting for a freaking sentence. And oh, by the way, back in those days when our forefathers created this country, they would have already freaking hung them. And that's just the way that it is. But then I also look back at our forefathers and I think, what a bunch of shitheads. I mean, come on. We look at racism in this country. They're trying to put body cameras on teachers so that they can make sure teachers aren't teaching the truth. Our country was not founded on Christian values. Our country was founded on theft, on rape. We stole people from another country to come over here and do the jobs that our forefathers were too lazy to do. We had over 300 treaties with the Native Americans, and we broke all 300 plus treaties. That's where we're at. I'm sick and tired of, of trying to hide it. You know, our forefathers were a bunch of shitbags, to be honest with you. They come up with the Constitution. That's a great thing. But at the end of the day, when they come up with the Constitution, they didn't think that women were equal. They didn't think that people of color were equal. They didn't think, as a matter of fact, they didn't think that white people were equal unless they owned so much land. You had to own a certain amount of land as a white person to be able to even vote back in those days. So they had issues back then, too. But now it's 2021. When we elected President Barack Obama for the second time, every one of us had to look around and go, I guess we're good. I guess we're good. We reelected a black president. And then the moment that Donald Trump took over, we saw racism explode in this country. He's a racist. His family's a racist. And all these people out there that have come out of the woodworks are a bunch of racists. Donald Trump is the dumbest president to ever occupy the chair. Donald Trump did nothing, did nothing but try to create a dictatorship for himself in this country. If it wasn't for the fact that he is a bumbling buffoon, they could have pulled this off on January the 6th. And I really believe 
that Donald Trump on January the 6th actually wanted those people to go into that Capitol and slaughter people like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and any of those other Democrats that stand up against him. I believe wholeheartedly that that's exactly what he wanted to happen. And it didn't. They failed. They failed because we had police officers that risked their lives to protect these people. The mere fact that you got Paul Gosser and those assholes that are on video putting barricades up in front of the door. And now they're going to sit here and look the American people in the face and say, there was no, there was nothing really going on. It was not a big deal. Just an ordinary day. I mean, hey, Paul, Liz Cheney had to help you put your gas mask on. How often do y'all have to do that in the friggin' house floor? You know, it's amazing how we have so many people in this country that are willing to look the other way, to fail to acknowledge what took place, to vote against providing medals to those police officers that fought to protect their asses. Every single day, those assholes are walking into that building and they're walking right through the security checks of all those people that probably got their asses beat on January the 6th. And they and they just keep their head. They just walk right on by. The Fanon police officer caught, I believe it was Paul Gosser, and tried to shake his hand and said, I'm one of the police officers that was here. And Gosser threw his phone to his ear, acted like he was talking to somebody, and ran the other way. Let that sink in. Is that your gratitude for these people that got their asses beat? Because they did. They did. Those police officers are heroes. That police officer that shot and killed Ashley Babbitt was a hero. Because had she gotten past, had she gotten through that window and ran down the hallway and opened one door, she would have known that was where all of the members of Congress were crammed in hiding. And all she had to do was scream, they're in here. And I'm going to tell you right now, there wasn't enough bullets to stop those people. It was a good thing that that man did what he did. Ashley Babbitt, 14-year Air Force veteran, Iraqi War veteran. But you know what? She absolutely was poisoned. Her mind was poisoned when she got out of the military with this QAnon bullshit. We need to go after the QAnon bullshit. We got to start going after. That's what I would do. If I was the president of the United States, I would make sure right now that we are going after all of this friggin' misinformation that is poisoning our country and crush it. Crush it. Every damn one of these people. Unacceptable. They're killing our democracy. Richard Ojeda, when are you running for the presidency next? You know, I'm moving to North Carolina. I, uh, I will never run for office in West Virginia. These people have done me as dirty as you get. The unions did me dirty this last time, the unions. And I'm a guy that will literally fist fight for unions. They did me dirty because they wanted to give Shelley Moore Capito the person that Shelley Moore Capito wanted. Shelley Moore Capito didn't want me. Nobody wants me. You don't want me. Because make no mistake about it, I look at a campaign as I look at a combat deployment. You get off the plane, you go nonstop balls to the wall until it's time to get back on the plane and go home and see your family. I will sleep under bridges. I am relentless. I will go nonstop. I don't give a shit. I will talk to anybody and everybody. I answer questions from anybody and everybody. And I will call them out. I will follow them. I will try to debate them at every corner. And they don't want that because they know I'm not going to put up with their bullshit. So, you know, I got screwed over by the unions. And that hurt. That was that was really the AFL-CIO did me dirty. The United Mine Workers of America did me dirty. I didn't even get the teachers unions. It was my speech that lit the match on the teacher strike in 2017. And I didn't even get the teachers unions. So, yeah, I'm moving to North Carolina. I am very pleased to be the national spokesman for No Dim Left Behind. I get to be involved in fistfights all over the country. It's awesome. And we are selecting phenomenal candidates. Go to NoDimLeftBehind.com. Check out our candidates. Donate to our candidates. Donate to No Dim Left Behind. Help us out to be able to flip seats from red to blue. That's what I do, and I really enjoy it. It doesn't mean that I'm never going to run for office again. I always, I maintain the right to stick my nose in any business that I want to, and that's exactly the way that I'll always be. Richard Ojeda, I cannot thank you enough, my friend. We can go to No Dim Left Behind to find out more about your mission, what you're up to. And then in North Carolina, maybe 2022, maybe 2024. You never know. If the Democrat Party in, in North Carolina is interested in me, I'm, I'm always willing to have a chat. I would like the people to know that they can follow me on Twitter, Ojeda, number four America. You can also go to YouTube and type in Airborne, A-I-R-B-O-R-N-E, Ojeda. I've got a YouTube page there. I have interviews with people. I've had Ice-T on. 
I've had Andrew Yang on. I got some guests that are going to be coming on here pretty soon that are pretty impressive. So subscribe to my YouTube page. And then I'm on Facebook every night on Facebook. I go live at eight o'clock to nine o'clock and I talk for an hour and, and I got all kinds of key uh, issues and, and we just do it. So come check me out. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your fire, for your passion. If we want to change this country, we have to actually use deeds and not words, right? That's right. That's right. Anybody can talk. We got to get things done. Absolutely, my friend. Thank you for being on. Thank you for listening to this episode of Okta Nonverba. If this message resonates with you, please share it out with others on social media. Hit that subscribe button and leave a review for the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. To learn more, please go to MarcusAureliusAnderson.com and join his Okta Nonverba inner circle to get exclusive content, news, and information. Until next time, remember, talk is cheap. Live your life based on actions, not words.